What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Whiskey and War Stories. We are your hosts, Sergio, Hyman, I'm Q. What's up, homies? What's up, brother? Hey, buddy. Oh, not much, not much. Good to be back after a week break. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a week break for us, but we're still pumping out episodes weekly, so, I mean, lucky to our guests. Yeah. That can that get that privilege, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it was nice. Nice little recharge, um, you know. Excited to be back here again. Like I, I, I look forward to the podcast. Oh, hundred percent. You know, hundred percent. Yeah, <coughs> so. same here. Yeah, and right, right before we started recording, I, I had said that. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back. Happy to be with, with you boys. Yeah, definitely. But uh, as customary, we always like to dedicate uh, each and every episode to a fallen hero. And uh, Sergio, can you go ahead and uh, talk about our hero? Our hi- our hero for this week is um Marine Corps Lance Corporal Dylan Marola. He was in Afghanistan less than two weeks when he died. This 20-year-old California was among the 13 Americans killed in the suicide bombing on August 26th of 2021. This is while trying to evacuate people from Kabul's Hamid Karzai International Airport. He was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 1st Marine, 1st Marines, 1st Marine Division, 1st Marine Expeditionary Force. Uh, Marola graduated in 2019 in Los Osos High School in Rancho Bucamonga, California. He had his sights set on going to college to study engineering after he got out of Marine Corps. Rest in peace, brother. Rest in Rest peace. peace. Cheers. 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 To Cheers. Him. <coughs> this is his two-year anniversary, August 26th, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I actually I remember the day that they um, that they had the procession for him. That yeah. they actually you know they brought his body back to Rancho because um, mm-hmm. it went up Milliken. And at the time, I was working at the barbershop right here up the street. Yeah. And um, and I remember uh, being able to step out and uh, seeing seeing the hearse and and pretty much all law enforcement, firefighter, you know, the whole procession afterwards. It was, it was tough, man. Yeah, those always suck, like, when you see those. Mm-hmm. There was one recently. Uh, <coughs> I don't remember if, uh, if it was overseas but there was a a kid from Norco that was a marine it was the same it's the same one it, he he was one of those that that passed away with it too there's, there's 13 of them that, yeah. that's yeah so i remember oh, yeah. i was on the overpass and mm-hmm. like it's like a like it's it's like emotional yeah. to see like all those people like in the firefighters like man people actually like support yeah like dude it's a, it is a it's a freaking sight to see man you're like dude so if i remember correctly out of those 13 there was three of them that were from the IE. Um, right. It was it was him, um, uh, the one that you said in, in Norco, and yeah. then uh, the other guy's name was um, Hunter Lopez, I believe. Ah, uh, yes, I remember that one. That one I remember more specifically because um, his dad Police was officer. yeah he's he's a he's a sheriff for Riverside County as well. So there's like this huge thing there. So yeah, um, yeah that was that was a. That was a tough day, man. That was that was a really hard day, and, and I remember um, a lot of people reaching out just because um, I served in Afghanistan. So seeing seeing that downfall of everything happening out there, like it, it was it was tough because um, being a veteran of that war, it, it made you kind of ask, well, what was it worth? Yeah. Like why was it worth anything for us being out there? Yeah. And um, I, I had to do some some heavy soul searching, soul searching to remind yeah. myself that that 
with a broader picture, I, I can't get engulfed in that because when I was out there, um, you know, what we were doing for the smaller mm-hmm. part of our mission, um, I knew we at least made a difference out there. Yeah. You cut the you cut the, the politics out of it. Yeah. And at and like at our level, I think we talked about this like mm-hmm. several episodes ago. Like I, I through throughout, you know, the years that I've been in the Marine Corps and out of the Marine Corps, like people will ask, like, so what's your stance on, you know, they'll they'll political like. What's your stance on the war? And I'm like, dude, I never get into that debate with people. I never get into that discussion because I'm like, honestly, at my level, yeah. it, it didn't matter. Like, we're the dudes on the ground right. fighting. Right. It didn't matter. What mattered is like making sure we all get home safe. One hundred percent. That's all that matters. Like, what's funny, man, is 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 you you tell someone like, oh yeah, I'm a veteran or, or whatever, and and I don't know why, but uh, I feel like everyone just automatically assumes that. You're uh, uh, you're an expert in geopolitics, mm-hmm. where it's like, bro, I was just out there to do a mission. I made sure I came home, made sure my my brothers and sisters came home with me, and and you know just change our socks and keep trucking. Yeah. Um. But uh. But yeah, it, it was definitely a tough day. Tough day yeah. for sure. So rest in peace to to all the thirteen. And yeah, like yeah. you said, we just we just hit their anniversary here not too long ago. Um. But uh, we are actually cheersing tonight with um, Widow Jane, aged 10 years, in New American Oak Barrels. Uh, It says, made with pure limestone mineral water from the legendary Rosendale Mines of New York, blend of straight bourbon whiskey. The Um, the Catskill Mountains. I'm not going to lie, Serge. I thought you were full of crap when you texted us that. (laughs) No. <laughs> <laughs> when you were texting us about the bottle, I'm like, man, this guy's oh. just trying to rep New York or something. That's, mm-hmm. that's a Brooklyn bottle. Yeah. Oh, is that why you? Yeah, I was like, oh, yeah. Man, let's try this one. Can you um, give us a flavor profile? What say you? There's <laughs> some some taffy in there. <laughs> taffy? Is that how you taffy? Toffee? 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 Taffy and toffee are two different things. Toffee, toffee. <laughs> Um, toffee's a hard <laughs> shit. Taffy's a fuck. No, no, no. Toffee. <laughs> I know the um, cherry. You got to taste the cherry in there. Okay. Are you? I'm asking you. Are you looking this up online? Are you giving this? <laughs> no, I, I actually wrote, wrote it. You, down have, you look like you're googling the flavor <laughs> profile. Let me see. Oh my god. It's good though. It's good. It, 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 it's, good. Uh, it's good. That's, it's. I wanted you to try it before you put that nasty freaking seasoning. Oh thing my god. In there. Have you tried that? Have you tried that? Not yet. Okay, Not then yet. why are you talking about it? Why are you talking down but about we're it? We're supposed to try the bottle first. Oh, so and I we will. Thank, it was delicious. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know why I'm thanking uh, you. Yeah, I just yeah. paid you for it. So I actually, I actually bought the bottle. For finding. Yeah, ninety one proof uh 45.5 percent alcohol volume yeah, it's not bad it's no. not bad it has a good taste to it um so yeah cheers to uh widow jane and the uh, 13 fallen yeah cheers in afghanistan cheers, cheers, cheers. cheers to them uh and jaime is actually going to be introducing our honorary guest of the evening jaime take it away you know first off before i introduce our guest um i want to say that We've been really fortunate because we have had a solid freaking lineup of guests, mm-hmm. like a solid lineup of guests. Um, and I think this is this would be episode sixteen. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. uploaded. Yes. Um, and this guest, 
I think I'm I'm most excited about um, because I've known him also for a long time. Uh, <laughs> he is, and I want to make sure I don't screw this up, but <clears throat> well, he's he's a retired Pomona police uh, detective, um, former canine handler. He is a a BMX stud when it comes to like the BMX <laughs> bikes. I think he still rides today, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but like, it is my absolute pleasure to introduce Rob McCurry. Woo! Hey. Yeah. Welcome, brother. Thank you. Welcome, yeah, welcome, yeah. welcome. Thank you for joining. Could we get a little yeah. clap or something? Yeah. Glad to be here. Emotional <laughs> damage. <laughs> That's the wrong one. I know. There, you, there go. you go, brother. Oh, nice. Welcome, 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 welcome. So, Rob, usually we're excited to have guests on because we love to pop their podcast cherries. But I don't think that's the case with you. You have already done a podcast. That's right. I've I've actually done two podcasts. Oh, okay. Hey. So uh, he's a podcast veteran. I like it. Yeah, I like it. So, uh, take it away, Rob. Tell us about yourself. Tell us about your upbringing. Tell us about how you, what you did when you were a kid, where you went to school, where you grew up, kind of how you became a cop. Tell us. Give us a story. Well, I grew up in Upland. Grew Local. up in a LAPD family. My old man was uh, old school LAPD, one of the very first crash sergeants when they started that unit. Oh, wow. Uh, did my first ride-along with him in the crash unit. was about 10 years old and uh, became a police explorer with Upland. I knew I was going to be a cop. I mean, I remember my earliest childhood memories, five years old. I thought everybody's dad was a cop. I didn't know that there was anything <laughs> other than that. Um, but I, one thing about growing up in Upland, which is kind of cool, is by the time the early 80s were around, there was only two skate parks left in Southern California. And one of them happened to be in Upland. And it was the Pipeline Skate Park, which was the most epic, gnarliest skate park around. And the, the other one was down in Carlsbad area, Del Mar. Mm -hmm. So... Prior to the X Games, uh, there was the King of the Skate Park series. So for BMX, not BMX racing, BMX freestyle, um, the, the King of the Skate Parks was a series of contests that went back and forth between Upland and Del Mar. So I had tried team sports, you know, baseball, and it was fun, but I got tired of losing because of other people. <laughs> you know, I figured if I'm going to lose, I'm going to lose because I lost. <laughs> and so that's, a good that's concept. I like that. That's where BMX freestyle kind of, uh, you know, that was the allure for me because yeah. it was an individual sport. And it was, I like doing things that not everybody else can do. And so I started going there all the time and spending every damn day there. How old were you? Started. 13. Oh, wow. So oh, by the wow. time I was 14, I got a full factory sponsorship from GT wow. BMX and, you know, got pictures of magazines and got to do some traveling, go on tour. Wow. Did some shows at like Knott's Berry Farm, uh, Northern California, work, work our way down, did fairs, malls, bike shops, you just name it. We did it. Child star. It was fun. <laughs> it was, wow. but there was also. <laughs> That was also my first introduction to a lot of injuries because yeah. we didn't have, like, the uh, foam pits and the, those resin pads that they use nowadays. It yeah. was concrete. So if you Ooh. want to try something new, go for it. It mm. works. Sometimes yeah. it doesn't work out, and, you know, it's an ER trip. 
broken bones. Ooh. So I think I got used to the adrenaline of that and then kind of carried over into police work. Wow. I was very addicted to the rush of the chase, and I like to test myself on, you know, one-on-one with bad guys, yeah. trying to get them in custody. Because a lot of times, especially with my career, I would end up picking up a car, stolen, chase it. They would crash. Then be a foot chase, and then it'd be a fight. And by the time anyone else got there, it was already it was over. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So, I don't know. I just I got used to that, and and I would go to work every day thinking that, all right, what am I going to get into tonight? I can't <laughs> wait. <laughs> it's, and it's very addicting. Yeah. yeah. So, do you still ride bikes? Well, let me ask you. How How old are you, Rob? Fifty-three. Fifty-three years old. Still young. Yeah, still young. Still and you young. Look good. And you obviously work out, huh? He's yeah. like, we go to CrossFit, and he why does he? he he's older than all of us. And I, why, he looks why does he look bigger than all of us? You know, when we're when we're when we're talking about my pants being ripped and all, you know, you do Oli and whatnot. I'm over here just talking. Oh yeah, I do Oli. I lift and whatnot. This guy's probably like, how dare you? <laughs> oh, I can't hardly do much anymore. I've had, I don't know. Seven, eight back surgeries. Oh, oh, wow. Most of my spine is put together with metal and screws, um, which is why I had to retire a little bit early. And uh, so I have to work. I do work out because if I don't work out, you know, mentally, you mentally. start to go a little nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I have to train smart. I yeah. can't go heavy. You know, I've learned to work around the injuries. Um Ma- so, maintenance, maintenance workout. Yeah, pretty much. Did, yeah. did a lot of those injuries? Um, I'm sure. Obviously, a lot of them were work related, but yeah, did a lot of it. Did, did some of it have to do with the biking to the BMX? Uh, th- not really. Th- those were just like uh, broken hands, wrists, elbows, um, yeah. collarbones mostly. But the first major back injury happened on a pursuit uh, into Ontario. Uh, me and Luna, we were both dog handlers at the time. Yeah, about 2004 and. The guy was running perpendicular, and mm-hmm. I hit him like in a tackle. And when my leg swung out, it was just – I just blew out two discs in my <sighs> lower back. Oh, shoot. So that was the first major injury. So what I was doing was getting epidurals every three months just to stay on the job. Wow. So I'd go – I'd go to Casa Colina at like 7 in the morning and get an epidural with no anesthesia mm-hmm. and then just go 10-8 from there. And by 10 o'clock, you were chasing a guy. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. Uh, and then, wow. Probably by two, 2015, um, it was just getting really bad. I'd already mm-hmm. had surgery on my neck, and I know I needed surgery on my lower back, and so that was that was the uh, <coughs> final nail. Dang. Wow. Do you still, like, b- ride bikes? I, just Harleys. I can't ride the bicycles anymore. I remember there's this picture uh, I saw of Rob, and this was a picture I saw some years back, and he was, like... BMXing, I don't know what the terms are. I'm sorry, whatever. He was like BMXing off of a off of a roof. I remember he's like, and he wasn't a spring chicken, Rob. You probably yeah. this picture was probably like in your 30s or oh, something. Yeah. No, I had a half pipe up until yes. I was like he's, he's almost 40 years dude, old in the air. Wow. Dude. And I remember when I saw this picture, I remember thinking two things: one, that's badass. Yeah. Two. I would break my fucking neck and die if that was. Oh, dude, like, yeah, like, for sure, for sure. You know, I'm worried about like coming to the water and hurting myself. You know, pulling a muscle, yeah, pulling, pulling a, a muscle, uh, <laughs> doing the deadlift or yeah. something like that. Here he is doing half pipes at 40 years old. Wow. Yeah, well, wow. I had a really nice half pipe in my backyard, my house in Fontana. 
Uh, me and my buddy uh, Blyther, who's a Mont- Montclair cop, he's he was a legendary BMX freestyle guy. He's still very popular to this day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they still have events like the old school BMX stuff, and um, you know, there's all these websites now, and every once in a while, a picture pops up. I'm like, oh wow, I never saw that one. You know, but yeah, it's cool. Dang, that's crazy. It was it was a lot of fun. As far as getting into law enforcement, was there any pressure because your dad was in law enforcement, or was it just something that was just a natural progression? Like, hey, this is – I grew up around this lifestyle, and this is just what my calling is. So my, my dad was a, a Vietnam guy, a Navy guy. Um, actually, he was in the, his, the, the Bay of Pigs. He was on a submarine in the blockade. No way. And then he went to Nam and did, like, three tours with a CB unit. So he stayed as a reserve while he was with LAPD. And he had talked me into going into military to kill the few years from the time I graduated high school to, to you know, you're 21 years old. Yeah. So that's, that was what I was going to do. But then when I was going to SAC, Mount SAC College, the sheriffs came out to do a recruitment thing. And they said, yeah, we'll hire you when you're 19 and a half. So I was like, hmm, okay. <laughs> so I applied, and, and sure as shit, it, they didn't hire me. I was not even 20 years old, and I went to the academy. Wow. So that kind of killed my military dreams, but it got me in the door there. And then they put me at a, uh, the Women's County Jail in East L.A., which is probably the worst job I've ever had in my life. Really? Yeah, that was horrible. Working graveyard at Civil Brand. Oh. Yeah, it was bad. The, only, the, the best time I had as a deputy was uh, obviously during the riots because they, they were asking for volunteers to go out. And I was like, hell yeah, get me out of here. Yeah. And you're volunteering. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I just, uh, from all your stories, man, I'm just, I'm picking up that you're just an, uh, an adrenaline junkie. I'm, adrenaline I'm literally junkie, just going to, yeah. I'm like literally Dude, just going to say that right now. Like you're, that's, I don't think you have a safety like little guy in your brain saying, hey, don't do this. I do now, but <laughs> I, I do reflect back listening to a lot of my close friends telling me, you know, you need to slow down, dude. You're, you're gonna, you're gonna regret this stuff. And you know, here I am, fifty some years old, all busted up. Now, no. but I, I honestly, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah, I, yeah, I can't. Yeah. I had so much fun as a cop. I like going out there on busy nights and jumping call, call to call, chasing cars, chasing guys with guns, gunfights, whatever. <laughs> I was game. You know what's funny is you said something, Sergio. You, you said a safe, you know, like you had no safety. Uh, right. No, some people have it like over exaggerated. Like, so I, I tried skateboarding once. I fell on my face and <laughs> scratched my face. <laughs> never touched a skateboard no. my whole life ever again. So here, here's then, what I think about that. I think that is what makes a difference between someone that's that, that's going to take that extra mile, right? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, like, for instance, and this is just an example, right? Like you see... You know, you see a dark alley, and then you see, like, a group of gangsters down there. There's that cop that will look at it and be like, eh, I'm going to go the other way. <laughs> but you got a, a guy like Rob that's like, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah, we're going to chase somebody and get in a gunfight right now. We're going to get a gun or something. Like, you know? I feel like Rob's fight or flight, he has no flight. It's uh-huh. all fight. <laughs> no, I, 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 I just looked forward to every night. It was like, what can I get myself into? Just right. I like to test. I like to test myself. Now, did you did do you have any siblings? Yes, but they're all bad guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, well, in, in, in this, uh, you know, and I'm just asking because it's like, 
could your upbringing and having your siblings and whatnot um, that kind of like touch on chasing that adrenaline? You know, I I had one brother that was always in prison. Oh, um, oh wow! He ended up being a, a big wig with the Aaron Brotherhood, and then another brother who uh, I, he was a burglar, drug addict. Um, so I was not close. I had three brothers. I wasn't close to any of them. I was close with my dad, um, not so much my mom. Okay. And then uh, right as I was a new cop at Pomona, my dad uh, committed suicide. So oh, wow. that kind of put me on a path where I, for a while, I just didn't give a fuck. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I'm just going 100 miles an hour. and Whatever happens, happens. Dang. Oh. So... I know what you're thinking. I got, I got like I got like 50 Dang. questions I want to ask you right now, Rob. But I'm trying to no, I'm ahead. trying to prioritize my questions. So, how how old were you when your father committed suicide, and how far into your career were you? I was on phase four training at Pomona, so I was 21, 22 ish, maybe. And how did that how did that affect you? I know you said you didn't give a fuck, but like, how did that affect you? Oh, it affected me a lot. I was, I was, I was, I didn't see it coming. It was shocked. I still have a hard time with that. So it does. It makes no sense to me what happened. At at the time that it happened, you were you said you were twenty one. Twenty. I maybe I just turned twenty two. I'd, I'd already been at Pomona long enough to where I was just getting off training. I was on my either on my ghost ride or at the end of phase four. So here's here's a question I have for you is. We've, we have come light years with respect to, like, mental health from then to now. Like, you know, we have at work now. We have CTI and all this stuff. What was it like back then? Like, what – did you seek counseling? What did you do to help cope with that? Well, they wouldn't let me come back to work until I went to see uh, – you know, like, when you get in a shooting and you got to go see the shrink to get cleared. Yeah. It, they, that's what they did for me. Yeah. Um, I'm not – I don't really – I'm not comfortable talking to strangers. You know, yeah, I just, of I think I probably said what I had to say just to get out of there. And I right. just wanted to get back to work. Right. And I didn't, I wasn't off that much long or that, that long mm-hmm. from the time it happened. I just, I wanted to get back to work. Wow. That was where I was at. So yeah, it, I know things have come a long way from then, but that was probably more me not seeking proper help, you know? Between then and now, have you processed that? And, like, what techniques have you used to to, to, to get over that? Or have you ever? No. I, I, I don't think I've ever gotten over that or uh, Shelly at all. Do you speculate or do you know? Did it have something to do with your father's military background that, that led to that? Because one of the big things that we deal, that we talk about here a lot on this podcast is, like, suicide and mental health. Oh yeah, my um, my dad was he was he had a lot of survivor's guilt. I think from from Vietnam, he didn't like to talk about Vietnam. He, every once in a while, things would come out, but not a whole lot. And I mean, his best friend that he was always hanging out with was a a, a SEAL uh, that he had known. He grew up in the Navy with, and they were super tight. And that guy was always at my house. I just remember them having late night drinking sessions and talking story, mm-hmm. um, but. He just uh, he 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 wasn't very good at getting shit out. 
some of us aren't really good at that either. So yeah. It's, I mean, well, a, a lot of people, and I think especially, you know, people in the military, and one of the things that Rob touched on that we have hit on several times here is, you know, you said that you talked to, you know, the shrink, you know, we talked to the counselor or whatever, and, you know, we'll say whatever we say, just just enough to get us back to work. And, uh, I mean, I'm sure you'll touch on it, but Rob, Rob has been involved in shootings in his career. Um, mm-hmm. I, I have also, so I've, 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 I've done the counselor things. And, you know, us have talked about it here, too. We would rather sit here and talk, right, amongst each other, like those of us that have had, that have been through those experiences, combat or uh, uh, a gunfight at work mm-hmm. or something, because we're talking with like like-minded people, people that understand, right. not someone that gets paid uh, one hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars a year and reads the DSM and is telling you not that that look. I'm not. I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. I think it's great to get counseling, but I also think there's a lot of people out there, and something like us, that also feel comfortable talking with each other yeah. that have had those experiences because you know what those feelings are. Yeah, and, and, and I agree with that, man. I I, I think. Um, a lot of the people that suffer from these things, PTSD, survivor's guilt, whatever it may be, um, they don't – I don't want to overgeneralize, but they might not trust the system that's there to potentially help them mm-hmm. to navigate those waters. And uh, what I usually try telling people or other veterans or other buddies um, that I, I talk to is um, I get therapy is different for everyone. And it's, it's not a one-size-fits-all. However, to view it as, hey, I don't want to talk to this person because mm-hmm. they don't know what I've gone through, it's almost like you going to the dentist and you not wanting to get a procedure done from a specific dentist because he hasn't gotten a root canal. You know, it's like, well, don't give me a root canal because you haven't gotten a root canal. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, he's gotten the training to treat a root canal. You know, and, and that's kind of how I see therapists where it's like, They've gone through the training, you know, they, they've gone to school and, and done all these studies to at least try to help you. But I also see the other side of the coin that you guys are saying, that yeah. they don't fully understand, right? you know, what we've gone through, what we've experienced, so on and so forth. Was, was your dad a lifer? He did the full 20? He Well, he did 12 active, and then he finished his 20 with okay. the reserve. Yeah. The, the Bay of Pigs, is, it's, it's wow. Yeah, he he, he joined the uh, Navy at like seventeen years old. Wow. Yeah. Was he still in LAPD when? Yeah, he was uh, Hollenbeck Watch Commander. Wow. Yeah. <coughs> were Were there any signs that you saw that led up to that, or was it something that was just very sporadic and unexpected? Uh, no, that's the thing. I mean, uh, that same day, because I was still living at home, he had. He was helping me with my off-training exam. You know, he he was working early mornings, so he'd gotten home, and I was working 11 to 9, uh, C-Squad, I think. And, yeah, everything just seemed so normal. It was it, I I still don't understand it to this day. No. I don't think none of us ever understand it. I mean, no. I, I've had no. a couple of friends that I hear from other friends that have passed away, and, like, yeah, I've you talked to anybody. No, nobody ever thinks um, that they would do it. Yeah, I, I, I unfortunately, I've had mm-hmm. way too much. No, it's it's. In that, you know, I. You you you're saying that you know you still don't get it, um, but as far as 
processing the, the feelings, you know, was there obviously, obviously, you know, you're sad about the situation. Was there anger involved? Yes. Things now. Have you gone to the point where, you know, you've forgiven your dad for that situation? Yeah, I think so. Okay. You know, I mean, it was hard and it, it made me, I mean, my reaction was, I don't know, it was probably not the smartest, but I just focused everything on work yeah. and, and trying to get involved in as many things as I could because it was like, a rush and it would take my mind off of that and i i liked i like being involved in things i like foot chases i like car chases i like fighting you know i liked arresting bad guys that were really really bad guys you know do you think you're using all that just to kind of numb probably yeah yeah i look back now and i'm like i honestly i didn't expect to live this long (laughs) all the shit that i've been through I swear to God, <laughs> the fact that I'm is still alive, is, is, <laughs> if you ask my, my close uh. friends, they're like, yeah, I don't know how he's still alive. But, yeah, if I, I figured I would get either whacked in a gunfight or wrap a police car around a pole in a pursuit. Wow. Wow. But they're all different coping mechanisms, though. Yeah. So some of the, uh, my Vietnam vets, just, when they first got out, just turned to drugs, and that was, the, that was their get out of, like, whatever I experienced. Yeah. <laughs> You know the, the the background to Rob, and and he's being really modest, but you know Rob Rob is one of those old school cops that like he can just sniff shit out, <laughs> right? And every time he got on the radio when I was a young cop, whenever he gave his call sign, you just listen up because you're like, oh fuck, he's gonna get into a pursuit, or he's gonna <laughs> fucking chase somebody. <laughs> and the only time he ever got on the radio is when shit happened. It was like, fuck, there he goes, he's getting into something. And you start like driving toward wherever he was at. Yeah. But he wasn't one of those guys that was like, you know, he was very silent about it and mm-hmm. just nice and quietly. He was always very <laughs> calm on the radio. Like he would just get, in the, you know, get on the radio and he'd give his call sign and he'd be like, hey, I'm following a, you know, the our our police code for a stolen vehicle is code 32. He'd be like, I'm following a code 32 vehicle. <laughs> like, and you're like, what did, he, what did he say? Did he just say he's following a code 32? Like what? He's like, I got a man with a gun on me. Like, and he'd give the street <laughs> corner. You're like, what did he just say? Like he was just so calm about it. And, I would agree that 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 was probably a co- a coping mechanism, right? Like you said, hey, I I decided to invest my anger, my energy, sadness, whatever it was, right, into my job. Mm. And, and truth be told, that's probably why you were such a fucking phenomenal cop. Is because mm. it's because that anger and everything that you had, like you put it into your job and and i mean that that was probably why you were such a fucking phenomenal you know phenomenal cop um and that's so interesting to me like it's so interesting that uh after knowing you for for so long rob uh even as like a young kid when i was explorer you know i told you guys that i I knew jerry (laughs) yeah um i remember when you were an explorer yeah (laughs) but but here's the thing like and i told you I i would ride with jerry I never rode with Rob because I was scared of him. No <laughs> so way. As a, as a, I was scared. And not because he was like a mean guy. He was just like, he so was like, just, he was like so into his, like, yeah. he was like, oh, I don't even want to ask the guy to ride with him because like, I, I don't think I rate to talk to him. <laughs> it was like one of those things when I was yeah. a kid, you know what I mean? He was like, man, that's like, I aspire to be a cop. Like, you know, like that, that's when you're a young cop right. or explore. You're like, holy fuck. Like, those are the guys I want to be like when I grow up. 
You know what I mean? And and there's just a like, it's the underbelly, dude. I've learned this word underbelly. There's just so much when you pull back those layers, right? And you start thinking about things and realizing things. There's so much more that, and like I didn't know a lot of this stuff, Rob. Like I didn't know a lot of this stuff, like you know. Uh, about your dad and stuff like that, man. I, I really didn't know that. Um, you know, every time they send me to the shrink, I always remember just being like, I didn't feel anything. Like, at the moment, yeah. you know, like after a gunfight or something, and they send you, and you're supposed to sit there, and, and they're asking you, you know, how do you feel and all this stuff. I, I don't remember having any emotion. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. that mm-hmm. stuff doesn't come, that doesn't hit you right away. Yeah. I think that stuff hits me later in life way later you know every once in a while you get like these crazy dreams where you get all your gunfights all mixed up into one yeah you ever have that Mm. oh yeah those are gnarly you you probably had more than me at work but yeah yeah and i just wake up i mean just sweaty you know like screaming calling out radio codes and shit wild do you still experience some of those not so much anymore the last couple years it's been since I've been retired, it's it's kind of subsided. Have you done something, or has it just been the fact that you've been away from the job? And I think it's that. I think it really has been just just getting away from it. I'm not doing it anymore. You know, it's it's a perishable skill, and you know, I just I don't know. I don't I don't identify myself as a cop anymore. I'm just me. Just you know, whatever. Have Have you talked to a therapist after? I mean, yeah. Oh still? yeah. Yeah. So I was married to a cop. Um, Shelly, she was a detective. She was a good cop. At our agency. Yeah, Pomona. Oh, wow. And uh, we were married for 12, 13 years. We had a kid. Um, she had a daughter before I met her, I raised. Um, and in 2012, she ended up committing suicide also. So after that, oh. yeah, I kind of I kind of went to a, a dark place wow. for a while. Oh, my gosh, dude. You had your fair share of freaking... <coughs> That's... That is... That's not even a fair share. That's that's like a pinnacle. That <clears throat> wow. She was a good cop too. She had a mm-hmm. lot of. She had earned the respect of her peers. You know, she actually got into a gnarly gunfight right after we got married, and uh, she was uh, given a medal of courage for for that. You know, it was like a running foot chase gunfight where a guy sh- fired five rounds at her at close range and missed. Wow. And she returned fire, put the guy down. Dang. Well, thank. We we've never had a guest on Rob that's that's probably been through uh, so many traumatic events um, that are like at a hundred. You know, uh, we've had Alex on here that's that's you know that's been in the OIS and stuff like that. Um, but you have experienced so many. Have you? Is this is this something that the, the two suicides you've been through in your life, is this something that you decided that I'm gonna bury, and just move on, or have you said, hey, I'm I'm gonna try to figure out how to address this? Like, where where are you at? Well, with Shelley's, um, that one again didn't see that coming, and the way that all went down was just fucking awful. That one put me even into a worst place where I just was so reckless. I didn't give. I just wanted to die. I didn't care. I, you know, I was, I was drinking way too much. You know, going to bed, trying to get the courage to just fucking eat a bullet. 
you know, put myself out there at work, trying to get myself. I, I just was so reckless for a while. And after about a year, you know, I, um, I met somebody. And it was like all of a sudden, you know, the, the clouds parted and the sun came out. And I started to have, I, I could feel again, you know. And, I, and that probably saved my life. And that's the, the girl I ended up marrying now, Tammy. That's a lot, man. Yeah, that's <coughs> but it, it's a whole year of his freaking despair. That sucks. Well, I was doing some dumb shit, too. Now, um, how far apart was your dad to uh, oh, Shelly? My dad died in 1992, and then she died on Thanksgiving 2012. Thanksgiving, oh my gosh. Yeah, not a fan of that holiday, to be be honest. Oh, I mean, I don't blame you. <laughs> I don't blame Rob, Rob were, there any, were there any signs? Looking back, I could see that Shelly had changed. I still don't know what exactly happened. Um, you know, she lost her brother, who she was close to. And that shooting really messed her up a little bit. But I don't know, she just went from her normal... You know, loving, bubbly, motherly self um, to just like a shell. Like she just wouldn't, she was hardly speaking. She wasn't sleeping. She was having all kinds of other issues. And and I, I didn't, I look back now and I think, how did you not see what was happening? But I didn't, to be honest. I just didn't, I, I don't know. I have, I have no excuse why I didn't see what I should have been seeing. But you can't blame yourself, though. No, no, no. Oh, see, he did something that where you're analyzing every single detail. I think that's that na- I think that's natural, though. I think that's a natural thing. But we blame ourselves for the, for the things that we fail to see. And well, looking be- back, though, looking back, I can see so many things. Like, right? How did you fucking not know right. that was an issue? No, yeah. no, no. I 100% agree with you that it's we realize what yeah. the hell's wrong with me. Why, why didn't I see it? But you can't go back and live it two times, three times, four times. Here's what I think, right? Like, I know, at least for me, and, you know, there was two cops in your household, you know, you and and Shelly. And I'm sure, like me, there's been times where you just come home and you're just, like, quiet, right? You're just, like, ah, fucking work or whatever. You're just, like, quiet. Mm -hmm. So sometimes, you know, I, I, I could see where those can get misconstrued, right? Like, oh, it's just work or, like, whatever. She's having a bad day. But, um, fuck. I mean, you knew Shelly. Yeah. Oh, I knew. I, yeah. I was a cop there when Shelly was wow. Was a cop. Um, I knew her when I was an explorer. Um, Were you as shocked as I was? I remember when I actually, I actually still have the actual email when they sent it out to the department saved. Um, yeah, I was just, I was like totally taken aback. And, you know, uh, those things happen and when they happen. You, you never think that it would happen to the people that it happens to, oh, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, holy shit, man. And the thing of it is, Rob, is, is, is like I never – you know, at that time, we obviously, you know, we were never peers. You were always above me, you know. Um, but I never saw – like you still came to work and you had a game face. And I never, ever remember ever seeing anything from you other than like the Rob that everybody always knew. You know, so you certainly had a game face. Oh, yeah. I mean, I went back to work the next month. 
and I probably shouldn't have done that, but I couldn't stand just not doing anything. It was driving me nuts. I had to like focus on something. How how did the relationship with um, y- with your daughter? This this uh, affected them. I, I mean, it's it's had a huge effect, and it's. I barely have a relationship with my daughters right now. Wow. They they don't know, they don't know everything that went down. Um, there was a lot of stuff behind the scenes, and they just, you know, they can't accept certain things, and they want to place blame. So, you know, I'll just eat it and just whatever. How old are your daughters? Well, one is your daughter, and one is you yeah, raised. My daughter, my daughter is twenty-two, and uh, Robin, the oldest, is like thirty. Wow. Yeah, that's wow. It, but I think it, as a parent, it's one of those things where, if Bella, for example, ever asked me what happened as far as why we got divorced, I'll let her know everything. I could. Whatever her mom told her, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But uh, what, until she comes to the point where she's mature enough to ask me, like, hey, what really happened? That's, that's the only thing I could wait for. That there's really no throwing, um, bad-mouthing somebody else or s- s- uh, saying any of the bad things that happened or the good things that happened. Yeah. It's, it's tough, man. It's tough. Yeah. You, it's, we just got to sit there sometimes. I know. And, and that's, I've just accepted that. And and I'm just hoping at some point when they get to a certain age, yeah. they'll realize that hey, maybe there's more to this than than we know. Right. Yeah. Maybe we'll ask. I always throw myself out there though. I always tell them, you know, probably once a month, I'm still here. If you want to talk, yeah, yeah. Talk. That's you know, but that's you know, right. Th- they're just uh, doing their thing. And how, how many how many years has it been, Rob? Ten. This this November is ten years. Do you? I'm going to ask you two questions. Uh, one. Do you have you have you taken blame for some of that? Um, well, I, I blame myself that I I should have seen things, and in retrospect, they're so clear. But I, honest to God, at the time, I just didn't pick up on it. You know. Yeah. Well, and I would ask her all the time, try to talk to her, and. She would tell me things are okay. She's fine, and you know, y- you can't just beat it out of them. Of course not. Mm-hmm. So I mean, we had a, we had a we had a good marriage. For mm-hmm. I mean, we had a couple ups and downs, but for the most part, we we were just a normal family. Mm-hmm. You know, she was a great mom, and you know, we were involved in all kinds of things. You know, with my youngest's softball career and all that stuff. And I don't know. It's just uh, I just didn't see it. I don't know. I missed it. The the second part of the question is now that you have experienced not just once but twice what advice would you give somebody that may notice those type of things? Like like some indicators, like what are some indicators that you would tell people or what advice would you give somebody that well, when you when you see someone that you care about suddenly 
do a 180 on their whole behavior. You know, they go from a bubbly, smiley, happy person to a withdrawn shell of a person that barely speaks, doesn't sleep, drinks himself to sleep if they have to sleep, putting on a front on like social media, which is completely false. Mm -hmm. You can tell that th that's, that should be a sign that they're dealing with something. But again, there's a lot of people out there that if they're dead set on doing something like that and they're, they're committed, there's nothing you could do. There's a lot of people that'll give you the, oh, I'm going to go home and kill myself. You better, you know, they want they want the attention. The attention. They want someone to come and, you know, talk them out of it. But the hardcore ones that are committed to it, man, I don't think you can do anything about it. That's mm -hmm. just my experience. Because yeah. I sure as hell didn't see it. Now, going through, through two um, suicides, after Shelly, were you in a state of, like, why me? Um, I don't know. I mean, he always called me a shit magnet for a reason. Um, I used to go to work every night thinking, okay, who am I going to shoot tonight? Because I just, I had a series of gunfights that happened all in a short period of time. You know, oh, wow. so I used to think, okay, you, you, and I would try to like mentally prepare for that kind of stuff. And so, I don't know. I just, I just figured, man, this is what you were dealt. You know, this is, this is your, your cards, you know, deal with it. And it, it's either the shit that you can get into on the street or, you know, it's your loved ones whacking themselves. Wow. Man. That's, man, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, just a little bit. That's a lot, man. That's, uh, well, to, to, to be able to persevere through two suicides and still have an amazing career, um, most people are going to listen to this and, and their heads are going to spin. They're going to be like, wow. Because I think that's, you know, one, going through one traumatic incident like that is is a lot. And then going through it twice, and we're not even talking about the other incidents that you've been in at work, Rob. Which, which is going to segue to my next question. You know, aside from these from these two very very traumatic events, what what are some other significant traumatic events that you've been through in your career? And then tell us how you've how you've like cope with those and how you've handled those afterward. Well. The very, f well, one of the shootings I was in was pretty gnarly because um, I rolled up, I just happened to be in this area, as usual, as a radio call comes out of a man with a gun. And while the call is coming out, I see that there's a crowd of people fighting with somebody in the middle of the street. So I'm like, oh, 97. So I run into the middle of the crowd, and there's this, this little Hispanic guy holding a gangster down who's got a gun in his hand and he's hold he's like trying to pin it to the ground you know and he's looking at me like help help so i jump on the guy and i grab the guy's wrist and i was a two-man car that night and then there was another officer that arrived real quick mm -hmm. and i'm on top of him and it's a revolver he's got it in his hand finger on the trigger so i i'm 
I put my hand over the top and I'm holding the cylinder. I can feel him trying to squeeze because I can feel the cylinder trying like to move, move, right? Yeah. I have my gun out on this side and the other two cops that are there yelling at me to get off of him because they they're, they're going to shoot him. And I'm like, they don't see that I'm holding on to the guy's gun. Yeah. So anyways, I'm like, now I'm starting to slip. I'm like, oh, fuck, this guy's going to shoot me because he's like trying like hell to get that gun pointed at me. Yeah. So <laughs> I figure, okay, fuck it. So I, I just throw him down like that. I fall to the, his, the back of his legs towards his feet, and I fire once, hits him in the chest. The other cop starts shooting. A round hits the street, shatters the piece of shrapnel, hits me in the shin. So I think, bad guy shot me. Oh, wow. Oh, so wow. I come back up, double tap again, hit him in the face. Oh, wow. So he goes down, bam, he's dead. And this is a guy that's already, like, squeezing the trigger. Like, yeah. that's, that's pretty intense. Like, I... I actually didn't know about I, I I knew you've been in several <laughs> shootings, but like to actually be on a like you you guys do you have a have you ever felt like a, a, a cylinder gun like a wheel gun before? Spins yeah, like you when the trigger squeezes, like the cylinder yeah. turns, mm-hmm. like you can feel like he's describing. Well, my my, a, a my, my, my thing is like the fact that you were in that situation, and you can feel that small detail of like. But I remember seeing his like his tendons. From his finger. Oh my gosh, you know? dude! Wow. Yeah, and I remember also, when my rounds hit him in the face and the head. It was really cold that night, and I remember seeing like his head almost kind of popped, and like steam. I remember seeing like steam because oh, because of coldness. Yeah. Yeah. It was weird. Wow. And I totally thought that the guy got a round off, but it was friendly fire. Wow. It felt like somebody hit me in the fucking shin with a golf club it hurts so bad wow yeah and those two cops ended up going out on stress <laughs> dang <laughs> you're, you're, wi- you're I like, wired I like how you just dropped that in right well there. I'm still <laughs> trying to figure that one out oh my god you're so, wired so a little bit different because w- what I'm seeing is that when you do specific things that are adrenaline rush you're ultra focused. Like you realize what this hand is doing and what this foot is doing and what my ear is feeling. So, so yeah. what? I, what it's a, it's a different perception of things here. I feel like if I could paint it to anybody, I feel like Rob is like from Wanted, the movie Wanted, when the guy like when he's in that high stress level, everything mm-hmm. just kind of like slows down. Mm-hmm. It's like almost oh, yeah. slow mo, yeah. yeah. and every single detail he starts picking up. And yeah. he's like, you know, he could see the wings on the fly just kind of like batting slowly yeah. and things like that. Like, well, it's funny you should say that because there was another time when I walked back to a – it was a suspicious search call. And I walked down this long driveway of this apartment complex, me and Mondo Lanier, working a two-man car. Retired, another retired guy. Mm-hmm. And up on this landing, it was a, it was a, a, a second-story stairwell that went straight up to a, a landing and then the front door of an apartment. It's really dark. It's really dark. It's super late at night, another cold night. And I remember as I walk, like, parallel to where he was, there was a Volkswagen bug parked at the bottom of the stairs. So I'm kind of behind the bug, and Mondo's kind of at the rear of it. Mm -hmm. And I go, hey, dude, what's going on? Let me see your hands real quick. And he's sitting down, and his his left side is facing me. He's Mm -hmm. facing the front door. And And I just keep hearing this clicking noise, right? And he doesn't say anything. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, as he comes up like this, 
There's a six inch 357 chrome. And I remember thinking like, that is a big fucking gun, right? <laughs> That's what's going through my mind. And then, that is shiny. And then the muzzle flash. Boom. Oh. And I'm just like, I, I thought I was dead. I'm like, how did he not hit me? Next thing I remember, I'm in the front wheel of the Volkswagen, and I'm my my gun is out in front of the car, and I'm just just laying down rounds. Yeah. Mondo's laying down rounds. Boom, boom, boom. And I could see my bullets like going, hitting the railing, hitting him, bouncing all over the place. Wow. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, you know what's a common trend that I found in people that are involved in like critical instances like shooting is they always remember very specific but maybe like sort of insignificant details to the to the actual overall picture like one of the things that Rob said was that like he he remembered the guy's tendons mm-hmm. on the arm that's very specific right mm-hmm. like a normal person that would be like fighting with someone is just like you know they're fighting for your life they're not gonna remember a tendon but he right like he remembered and that's a very specific like every time i hear a story like that somebody has a very specific detail they remember that's like that's weird that you remember that yeah it didn't have actually anything to do with the actual you know incident or gunfight itself but you remember that specific detail because for some reason your mind cued in on that specific thing you know yeah so in, in that second shooting when you said you saw that flash Gun was pointed at you guys. I don't know where it was pointed. Okay. I, as I saw it come up in my direction, and then I saw mm-hmm. the fire, and it was there was no lighting back there, so it was completely dark. As soon as that muzzle flash happened, I my I don't know where my flashlight went because I just hit the ground, and probably after I must have went through one magazine. Then I realized I'm not hiding behind the engine because I'm in the front of a Volkswagen. Uh, I'm like, oh fuck. Oh, this guy. So <laughs> he's like Volkswagen, engine in the yeah. yeah. <laughs> At first, I thought, oh, I'm good, you know. Yeah. Right in front of the, the engine of the car. It's fucking Volkswagen. What are the odds of that? So then I, I remember thinking, well, what I'm going to do? Because he was he was rolling around, I think, and I thought he was trying to do a reload. So I thought I'm going to run underneath the stairs because there's a garage and he can't he won't be able to shoot at me, right? Mm-hmm. So as soon as I get up, I had. I did a reload. I remember that. And I started for the stairs, and then he comes back around. And I thought, fuck, now I have no cover. So what do I do? I ran straight up the stairs at him. And I put the whole magazine into him. Just wow. from like three feet. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Here's a question for you, Rob. Do you think? That was not my plan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It worked, though. Yeah, it did. It he worked. Was, he was done. Yeah, yeah. it worked. Um, s- speaking about the two incidents earlier, do you think because, like the, the the those two traumatic incidents that you've been through with talking about the suicide, that everything after that is like, it doesn't compare to that. So everything after that is like, so. My dad's suicide was first, and then I had. All my shootings happened. And then Shelly was kind of at the end. So, yeah. I I, th- I remember her always telling me to, why do I have to get, why do I have to work the way I work? You know, like, can't you just relax? And I would tell her, like, you married me. You know what you were getting into. 
You know, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know what to say. I, I, I'm not going to go to work and just drive around and do nothing. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I don't know. I just it was just something. I guess it, w- it was going to be something or another. Yeah, wow. I, I don't know. I just get used to trauma, I guess. You do get used to it. Now, at a certain point with all the shootings, um, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know how many you've been in, but. Yeah, there was a couple more, but. Um, I'm <laughs> just, just a couple. Uh, I'm assuming. Just so you know, we talked about this. Yeah. One shooting in a cop's career is rare. Right, right. And, and, and that's kind of what I was going to get at is that, you know, we I think we talked about it with Alex's podcast or his episode that it's like, like a cop getting into one shooting in his career. Like that's that's kind of like that's it. Um, sounds like you've been through multiple and uh, at a certain point. Um, do you do you kind of get that feeling in your head and like in your body where it's like okay it's some, something's about to pop off kind yeah of thing. oh yeah dude that little voice I can't tell you how many times that shit has saved my ass in fact prior to that little engagement on the guy on the, on the second floor as I was rolling down the street I had this overwhelming urge I, I told Mondo I go we gotta get out of the car I said we gotta stop get out of this car and we did and and there, there's been so many times when I've been around a bunch of other cops and we've on a call and I'll, I'll just say, hey, hey, whoa, whoa, stop. And then bad things will happen right after that. It's because I, we have all these senses that I don't think we know we use. Yeah. And I'm telling you, there is something to that because, man, it has saved my ass more than once. I've said that, too. That's crazy. It's like that little intuition. Yeah. Right? You can't explain it. You can't no. write it down on paper. You know, uh, uh, like you just feel it. You just feel it, right? Yeah. And and a lot of those things sometimes when you're in court and you say people are like, "Well, you had a feeling," right? But like l- you only get it if you've done the career long enough, and right? Been, like you listen to that little hair on the back of your neck, like it's it's it saves people's lives. Like yeah. you can't, you know, it's hard to explain, but <laughs> like it's 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 there, right? Totally. Like you. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> Rob, you. You should write a fucking book. First yeah, off, really though. <laughs> Actually, when that that shooting on the with the guy with I was fighting with the gun. That's in a book. Is it really? Oh, yeah, really? it's uh, called the Red Dot Club. Oh wow! Yeah, it's wow. about uh, a bunch of officer involved shooting cops that got shot and stuff. It's Dang. there's there's two volumes. It's the second volume. Wow! It's called my chapter is called Brain on the Badge. Oh, I forgot to tell you that part. When I shot that guy in the face. Apparently, there was some splatter that I didn't see until I got back to the station a couple hours later. And they got me sitting outside the WC's office waiting for everybody, the IA people. And I'm just sitting there. And I'm, this records clerk kept walking by, and I, she kept looking at me funny. Yeah. And I'm like, fine. I'm like, what are you looking at? She's like, what is that on your badge? And I, I looked down. And I'm like, oh, fuck. I have brain matter on my oh. my badge. And, I had all, and then I went to the bathroom, and I looked, and I had all this, like, spray Oh, it was gross. Oh, my god, It was nasty. A pink mist. Yeah. I d- didn't even notice it till I got back to the station. <laughs> was there ever a time in your life, e- even up to including today, all the shootings that you've been in, at some point, and even now that you're like, I don't feel like I'm a cop anymore. You said that, you know, kind of when we started the, the episode here. Uh, yeah, fill me up because Rob's story is fucking his. <laughs> fill my glass up, would you? Um, now that you you don't feel like a cop anymore, Rob, 
has any of this stuff surfaced back up and like you like like maybe maybe sweat at night or you can't sleep or like it's it's caused these things to think like that you've thought about like I always I I always have trouble sleeping. I don't I don't sleep well usually. Yeah. It just I don't know if it's all that or I don't know. I just I it, it's really because sometimes during the day I'll get like super tired and I could totally take a nap. Yeah. But I can't get that at night for some reason. So I do struggle with sleep. But I'm also dealing with this, you know, these surgeries I've had. The one on my lower back was botched. So I'm dealing with chronic pain issues all the time. So that's why I'm constantly getting shots and epidurals and facet injections. And I've had like, I don't know, 50 some procedures on my back. Oh. Because wow. it's just, you know, workers' comp surgeon, fucking top of the line. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's just, that's just dumb shit. But it's all my own doing, you know. I have no one to blame but myself. I put myself in this situation, <laughs> so got to live with it. <clears throat> Do you, so is it safe to say that you were able to, to process all these shootings? Like, it, you know. Well, the thing I, I, I always tell people, like, I never started it. You know, I didn't start these I, I didn't make these people like the guy that I shot in the face. Yeah, he went. This guy and another gangster walked up to a a family's wedding reception on Los Flores up in the islands. Yeah, tried to crash the wedding because they wanted alcohol, and they they tried to tell these guys, "Hey, it's a private, it's a wedding, it's a it's a family thing. No, you can't come in." Yeah. So what does he do? He goes out to the sidewalk and just fires a bunch of rounds into the backyard. Wow. You know, he was a twelve streeter. Yeah. You know, so he made the decision. I just happened to be right down the street. And he said that that was that was the one that was shot in the face. Yeah. That okay. Wow. And the other guy was a Southside Village Crip on parole who was dusted. That's why it took so many bullets to put him down. He didn't know that he should have been dead a long time ago. Uh, PCP. Okay. Okay. Wow. So. You went you went 150 miles an hour your whole career. <laughs> I know. I, I wouldn't even call that 150, man. That's like that's like supersonic speed right you're there. Going, yeah, you're going supersonic speed your whole career, and everything seems like it's slowing down your life. It has slowed down, right? Yeah, you know, one thing I I can tell you that we're talking about how to cope with shit. Yeah. If I didn't have the gym, that's right after Shelley's incident. Is when I started. I had to find something to focus on, mm-hmm. and that's when I got into the to lifting and training and stuff. And I found that was the only thing I would have to like exhaust myself and mm-hmm. just push myself, and that was the only way I could like keep my head straight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so even to this day, if I go more than a week without going to the gym, man, I start going a little fucking cuckoo. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Walking away from from this career, um, you know, having this extensive uh, background and all the experiences that that you went through, um, how was it going into this next cha- next chapter of your life, knowing that you weren't going to experience that adrenaline anymore? It gets boring. I mean, I here, here's what I tell people: like, I miss the police work that I was doing back when we were doing it but i recognize and i realize that they don't want police 
police officers like that anymore. It's not – you don't have the support that you do from your your district attorneys and, and your command mm-hmm. staff. And I started to see the writing on the wall even at my department when I made the decision to have a career-ending surgery after 26 years. Wow. Because I knew. I'm like, I, I know I can't work. I'm not going to be able to work where it's just reactionary, you know, just going – waiting for somebody waiting for a call for service yeah. I, I can't do that yeah. but i mean I, I think that also speaks highly into um you know how how you process things just because i feel like a lot of guys can go through a career whether it's military uh, military law enforcement they see the writings on the wall but they're not accepting it oh right yeah. um and so you know i, I think that does you know that that, that that says a lot about you at the fact that that you had this long career, you're seeing the writings on the wall, and, and you're saying, okay, now's my time. A lot of guys don't get to that point. A lot of guys are like, I don't want to go yet. No, I, it was a tough decision, believe me. Oh, I'm sure, but, yeah. But I, I also knew that, you know, my back was just, it was so jacked. And I, I was working in crazy pain all the time. Wow. And, you know, I, I, I started to date. You know, the, the the lady I ended up marrying, and, and I knew that there's no way she was going to be able to handle the shit that I was getting into, mm-hmm. you know? Because, um, God, my, my wife, who was a cop, could barely handle me. Right. So I didn't want to do that to her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I guess I bowed out at the right time. But I, I'm... Like I said, I always tell people I had a great time. Yeah. I, I wouldn't change a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, working with the dog, I had a badass canine, and he was just as nuts as I was. And <laughs> we got in so many <laughs> pursuits together, and it was awesome, man. <laughs> I mean, just so you know, my dog had stainless steel canine teeth because he kept breaking his teeth biting bad guys. Oh my <laughs> gosh! <laughs> wow, you're a cowboy. Yeah, he was rad. <laughs> you're you're a cowboy, man. <laughs> I uh, good times. I, I wish, I wish that uh, you know we don't record this, we don't video it, but you know it's 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 worth, you know it's worth showing you boys that here's a here's a picture that I have of uh, uh, of Rob. Oh yeah, there's, there's his, my pal and his canine. That's, right out, take a look, that, that's right out of canine school. <laughs> there's a young, a young stud. <laughs> Rob with his canine. That's when he still has dog teeth. That's awesome. That is awesome. So, <laughs> bring it up to, to 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 current day. Um, you're married to your beautiful wife Tammy, um, and I don't know if you remember, but uh, I I had met her before. Yes. Um, actually, the first time I met her, um, Victoria Gardens, we like ran into each other. At right. Victoria Gardens and. Uh, so uh, I'm curious, and I probably know the answer to this, but I want to ask anyways. When you know when you started dating Tammy, and you guys decided that you're going to be in a relationship together, did you like lay lay things out to her, like, or was this like oh, I'm going to incrementally tell her because she's going to be like this guy is fucking well, something. Right. There, there's people with baggage. <laughs> that's not even baggage, bro. No, that's, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like there's there's people with baggage, He's, and then this like is, and, and look, no no disrespect to what you've gone through calling it baggage. Obviously, yeah. no, no, I'm talking about the this the gunfights, the, the right traumatic but stuff. Is something yeah, that's, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. Keep, keep going, cause how, how, yeah, how did that go? Well, I, I, uh, I can tell you when we first started dating, um, I was afraid to to spend the night, because back then I was still having these crazy dreams where I was waking up, and sometimes I would be like out of it, and I'd be, you know, swinging and, right. and getting nuts, and I was like, oh fuck, I'm gonna scare the shit out of her if she sees that. So it. Finally, when she was like, what the fuck? Why won't you, why, you know, we got a room. Yeah. We're not going to stay tonight. I'm like, ah, all right. And she's like, it's okay. Just, we'll just see what happens. And then, you know. But but she was aware I, of. She of didn't know everything. Right. All my stuff. I just, like Jaime said, I kind of said, yeah, I've been involved in quite a bit of stuff. And, um, you know. And then as things, as, as things progressed, then I would divulge more and more. Mm. But my, my buddies didn't help when they would meet her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, do you have any idea? <laughs> they would just tell her? stories about yeah. Rob, basically. But, but that's what I'm saying is, like, the fact that you had that awareness, like, that self-awareness, it was like you, you would even stop yourself from spending the night with her because you didn't want to have a situation where you wake up and, and, and whatnot. Like, I, I remember uh, my wife now, um, she was telling me a story where, where you know, we're, we're – uh, staying the night together and i woke up in the middle of the night and and she's like dude i didn't even recognize you just the way you woke up the, like you looked angry you right. looked at me and and i was like hey are you okay and you just looked so confused so angry you didn't know like like i didn't know where i was um and i still don't remember that night to be honest no i, I still have those where i get up and i'll go walking around and i and i won't have any recollection of that wow. so i I hate when that happens because it sucks. You know, when you, you have to admit that you're not in control, you're just right. apparently on autopilot, but I don't know what triggers that. I can't, f- that's the thing I can't quite figure out. It's random. Huh? Yeah, yeah, it totally is. And at certain times a year, uh, you know, the demons will come a lot more like as we get into November, I mm. fucking hate November, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a rough mm. one. Mm. I, I like October. I've always been a, Halloween's always been my favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Oktoberfest. Um, but too. then <laughs> November is right behind it. Yeah. And then it's like it brings back yeah. all the shit, you know. Yeah. It's um, what is that called? The seasonal, um, what? Seasonal depression. No. Yeah. Like huh? where where like every time there when whenever you have a traumatic incident. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that specific time of year, like it just you well, know you just keep going back to it and keep going back to it. The shitty part is my dad. Uh, died in november also oh my gosh it was was november 4th and then shelly was november 22nd so yeah i was never a fan of thanksgiving oh my goodness for a long time but yeah crazy shit huh a little bit oh Oh, man but see uh, honestly man meeting you seeing you you know sitting down with you having these conversations before we started recording like I never would have guessed all the stuff you have gone through. Mm. And, yeah, I... Here's the thing. This is a podcast about mental health. And I'll be straight up with you, Rob. You are the only person that I've ever met in my life, besides combat veterans. But... You're the only person in my life that I that I know that has experienced so many different traumatic events. Like I get 
you know, some of us are combat veterans and we've experienced war, right? That, but I think that's like one event. You know what I mean? Yeah, we we kind of like loop it. We loop it. We lump yeah. it together. Like yeah. even with like multiple tours, right? It was still like we did combat, right? right? You you are the one person in my life that I that I have met that have experienced so many different traumatic events, and the fact that you're standing here in front of us talking about it that like dude that's the pinnacle for like people that are listening to this podcast right yeah. like if rob can make it through well that's kind of what my point was you know because i know that there's some guys that will have a you know like the two guys on, on one of the shootings i was in and they apparently couldn't deal with it and and i i don't understand that but maybe to them it was huge and and it was mm -hmm. life altering and you know but that's okay. I'm not. I'm not mad about it. I just. I don't understand it, mm -hmm. oh. especially since they were shooting at me. But yeah, whatever. I, but if there's people out there that are that have an an, inc an incident that goes down, you know, you, there's still going to be tomorrow. You can't just give up. You know, you, you got to be curious about what's going to happen next. And I've always been curious. Always been curious about what's next. It's got to get better. It can't stay like this all the time. Because, you know, shit happens. Yeah, it does. And you deal with it. Yeah. But then the day will will pass. It's a new day. Mm -hmm. That's a, uh, we haven't heard that one yet. That's like, that's a whiteboard, uh, that's a whiteboard <laughs> saying, <laughs> what's going to happen next? I work, yeah. I right, because. Yeah. Our famous whiteboard. Because we have, like, every time we have guests on and. Um, some of the guests that we have on, they'll say like a really powerful thing that we like. It's a whiteboard thing. Like it's it's a comment that we need to write down on the whiteboard. And what you said, like what's going to happen next, right? That dude, that is to me that is so powerful because a lot of people that deal with these traumatic things, right? They stop, right? And they're like, this is it. That's I can't right. get myself past this, right? And they never get to that. Like, what's going to happen next? It's almost like hitting rock bottom, right? When you're at the bottom. You can't go lower, right? right. It's like you can only go up from there, and that's right. what, like, you know, what's going to happen next. I'm yeah, but 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 I think that also, you know, comes down to the mental fortitude that you have. Um, whereas, you know, you Rob, you can see it as uh, okay. Well, we're just going up from here. You know, they can't get worse than this. Um, whereas some people, they see it as like okay, that that's it. Like I can't. I can't get up from here. I, I can't no, I, go from here. I have been in that spot. But, right. But I'm telling you that the fact that I would always just think to myself, are you kidding me? This can't fucking be it. You yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I look back on where I was, you know, in 2013 and how, what a fucking hole I was in and how dark it was and how numb I was. I had no fucking emotion. Couldn't feel anything. Mm -hmm. And then I look at my life now where I, I have my awesome, beautiful wife. I live in a nice fucking house, mm -hmm. making a decent living, you know, yeah. and I've got my health. I've got some buddies that I've known for like 30 years that we grew up on the department with and we're all retired now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's pretty rad, you yeah. know? Yeah. So it could be worse. Yeah. And, and it could be, you know, I, I usually, you know, I usually tell people when we have this talk about mental health and especially like suicides it's like you know it, it's i i've always thought to myself that that suicide is a is a permanent solution to a temporary problem yeah you know unfortunately. And, and, and and unfortunately people 
they they see it as as such like that that the problem is permanent um well I, i've noticed from my experiences that they think that we would all be better off without them that's their justification for that mm -hmm. and it's so wrong yeah they don't and i always wonder you know right at that second when that hammer clicks if they don't have the thought like oh fuck wait what am i doing right you know that that second thought you know but yeah. by then it's too late mm -hmm. wow yeah I, I think about that a lot yeah. so you said one of your coping mechanisms is working out which we could obviously tell you a <laughs> workout. You, hey, you couldn't tell you have a bad back. I'm just going to tell right. you. <laughs> I can't tell you've had surgery on your back, Rob. But, um, I can't see my big ass scars. I, I, I believe you because I know for a fact that you have. Um, what, what else is there? What other, what other type of things have you done, have, have you done to, to, to cope? Like when you, even now, even today maybe, maybe not even in the past, but what have you done? Like when you have a bad day or... Right. Maybe you sink a, you sink into a dark place for a little bit. What helps you crawl out of that? All right. Well, I'm not supposed to say this, but I do still like to drive fast. <laughs> I got a, a badass Camaro, an SS Camaro, and I have my Harley. And I still – it's the only way I can get that rush now is yeah. to get on the freeway and get, you know, 120, 140 <laughs> miles an hour and just – fucking go balls out and that's the <laughs> rush and it just puts me in a good mood you know especially on the bike because uh, yeah. i had my my motor uh, uh tuned up to where it's it's fucking it's a rocket wow and i know i'll probably die in that fucking thing but you know i'll die happy <laughs> <laughs> dude that's you're wild that's that's <laughs> funny yeah. because you know people people throw that term around like oh dude's a adrenaline junkie yeah he if you were to look up in the fucking Merriam-Webster definition, <laughs> it'd be a picture. You're of gonna him. see Rob McCrary's <laughs> face. It makes you feel better. You know, you're alive. It, it, yeah. Listen, I always say, if you're not almost dying, you're not living. Uh, and you, you know, it's yeah. I, I, I get your point. I get yeah. your point. You know, it's it's there, there's been those situations where you know you're 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 you know you're you're dancing with a reaper, and, and right. you know. But when you survive and you come out of that, when you're that close to death, right? Oh, you feel amazing. That's you're living. just like it's like Whoo! yeah, yeah. You're that's living. all you got. That was mm -hmm. fun. Let's do it again. <laughs> you know, good times. <laughs> Look at 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 some level, we have we have all felt that, right? Maybe not like I. I you well, know, it's my like, Camry can't, my hybrid can't go 140 on the, you know, <laughs> but the uh, Camaro I've got to 160 so far. <laughs> I just need more room. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize it was that fast. <laughs> it's fucking the rocket. <laughs> but we talk about, we've talked about this rush, right? Like, yeah. One of the things we have discussed in great detail here before is, um, and it's actually, a, it's, it's actually had an effect on us is. A lot of people like they they like with the combat right like it's the most it is the most intense thing that I have ever experienced right we talk mm -hmm. about the Q, the Q2 have has ever experienced and a so, lot of so people you guys, let me ask you this I've always wanted this because I I never got a chance to be in combat but do you still have that that rush after a, a firefight to where you're just like you're you know on a on a rush adrenaline rush for like 12, 13 hours after a gunfight. Or is it different when you're overseas and deployed and you're doing this all the time? 
because every time I was in, involved in something like that, I would go home and I couldn't sleep for like a day. I'd just be wired. Yeah, I, I'm gonna, from my experiences, it's different, and let me tell you why. Because at work, right, it's like you, you get in a shooting and you're off for like three days. Right. Right, you go see a psychiatrist and you have like time to process it. When you're in a combat zone, it ain't like that. You just get ready for the next you, one. You don't get pulled out. They don't take your gun and your badge. And you're like, hey, you got to see CTI. You got to go to counseling. It ain't like yeah. that. It's like, get your ass, but let's go. Let's go. Yeah. You know, I, it's from like boom, boom, boom. And because you're constantly on the go, guys don't process it mm-hmm. until they get back. Or some guys don't process it until years later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like they just, you know, it takes it takes a while to process it. But one of the things that we've, that we've hit on before is like that rush that you talk about, right? Like that rush that sustains you. Yeah. That a lot of dudes and, and us too, we 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 we've we've admitted it to some point, to some degree that that guys and even us in a little way, we've always chased that little rush, right? Cuz it was like we were we were men then, bro. It was like it was like we were that was the most intense time of our life and we did this intense uh, it's a test, like like this intense skirting death, yeah. life and death yeah. thing, and we nothing has ever come close to that, no. right? Yeah. And it's like you're always chasing that, and a lot of people, and we've been good, at, been good at processing it, but we know people that there are people, and a lot of people out there that still chase that rush, and they're like they're always yeah. trying to get that feeling of being back in combat or whatever the case, and it literally sustains them. Yeah, yeah, but, but kind of answer your question. Um, I agree with what Jaime was saying that like you don't have the the time or the opportunity to process what you're experiencing at that moment. Um, so I can tell you that like for example, when we would get rocketed or, or get mortared, um, I remember the very first time we got our first rocket attack, mm-hmm. and I was like on edge. I can't tell you the last one. Yeah, because we're just so used to it at that point. It was almost every other day getting mortared, yeah. mm-hmm. getting rocketed, and so after a while, you're just like, eh, okay, another one, cool, sounds good. You know, I think that's th- that's kind of what I've noticed with as you evolve through on duty shootings. Mm-hmm. You know, your first shooting, like my very first one, I don't remember hearing anything, no gunfire, just remember seeing the bullets go down range. Oh mm-hmm. wow! Shooting at a guy, missed, whatever. And then the second one, it was more like I heard little pops. You know, I, I, they were, I was more aware. My senses, other senses were working. And by the time it was the, the guy on the second floor, it was like cannons going off. And mm-hmm. I could not hear anything for like three weeks yeah. because I was surrounded by cinder block and stucco and a parking lot. Mm-hmm. And there was, they were so loud. I just remember that. And I still, I still can't hear shit out of my right ear. <laughs> I remember the first firefight that we experienced in Afghanistan. I honestly thought it was fireworks. Like, legitimately thought it was just fireworks. And I remember walking out of our talk, and I see my first sergeant, and there was another sergeant there, and we're hearing these little cracks and these little pops. And so I stop, and I look at them, and I'm like, why is there fireworks going off? And I'm thinking to myself, like, there's no reason for this. I don't see my first sergeant. Like, they they stop talking. They're kind of, like, looking in the distance, and so I walk back to like my tent, and then that's when the te- the, the the sirens start going off. Wow. That that we're like you know we're get, we're getting into a firefight. Mm. Um, but yeah, I I'm, I remember that one specifically. Cause I'm like, this is weird. I'm like fire fire fireworks. Yeah, I think you can actually get used to something to where you start to have just normal senses mm-hmm. during the incident. Well, you become desensitized. Well, right. and that's like, 
I, I, I won't say the word desensitize in your case, Rob. I'll say the mm. you, experience, right? Because like under normal circumstances, like you'll have a cop, right? Especially if like they're newer, you know, they'll be like, uh, Adam 40, I'm chasing a code 32 vehicle. And, <laughs> you know, Rob's like, what was your call? George 7 or something like that? What were you, George something? Yeah. George, George 7. Jason, go <laughs> <laughs> and we're like ten, ten nine. He, he was he was say, a, say that repeat. Like, he was a late night talk show yeah. host, <laughs> serenading serenading the mic. Yeah. I have a man with a gun, twelfth and Gary. You're like what? Would he just say has a man with a gun? Like, and all these cops are like rushing to him. But I think in a way it is desensitization. But like that's what helped you, right? Like like yeah. be good at what you do. It's so uh, calm, well, cool, was, and collective. I was like thinking you about were, the dispatchers, you know. I didn't want them to freak out, you know. Yeah. I want them to think about somebody else, dude, as I, normal <laughs> as possible, so they could, you know, direct, coordinate. Well, whatever. and dude, but, and that's like, like I, I didn't really get much hype after a while. Uh, like, you know, I was just like, okay, let's do it, you know. <laughs> and that's that. That's a veteran cop thing because what you realize after a while is like when you panic on the radio. Yeah, then everybody else starts freaking. Everybody, out. Everybody, uh, dude, and you got cops, okay. bro. You got cops that are driving. 100 miles an hour trying to find something other, yeah. trying to get to you bro and yeah. they're going in a, on a, in a 25 mile an hour st- residential street and they're going 100 miles an hour to try to get to you yeah. that's very dangerous damn you yeah know you what just I mean? try to keep it cool you know just do what you gotta do you are, you are <laughs> a very detail oriented man aren't you <laughs> details are important it, man like that's that's incredible that is incredible to to be in those situations um and still make sure that, like, hey, I need to do this job as best as I can to make sure that everyone around me is doing it. Yeah, I, I never wanted to be something, that guy that started an incident that mm-hmm. caused responding units to crash and somebody get hurt, mm. you know. And I used to think that maybe I was supposed to get involved in a lot of these things because I didn't want other guys that weren't maybe mentally prepared to do it, you know. Mm-hmm. there was, You know, I'm not saying that there was cops that were – not as good as I was because there was a lot of great cops at my department. But, you know, there were some guys that I think would rather not have those kind of incidents. And I think that I could handle those because that's what I liked. And if I could take that off their plate, so be it. They don't have to wow. worry about it. Was, was through your career, was your home life and your work life balanced? Oh, yeah. You had a balance? Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, once I got married, well, up until when I got married. Before I got married, I just was waiting to go back to work. You know, it was just me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't want to take any time off. I was just like, all right, let's go 10-8. Yeah. Uh, but once I got married, um, yeah, then it, w- it, it got more normal. Yeah. And, you know, the kids were around. And, you know, we did, you know, we'd softball. And, you know, and plus, when you marry a Hispanic woman, there's all kinds of family involved. <laughs> so there's like family events fucking every weekend. You know? That's true. Yeah. So there was that. Yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> that is so true, dude. That is. That's true. Yeah, my family, we didn't have that kind of shit, no. That was not family oriented on my side. But, you know. Oh, um, your your mom, Rob, now is she still is she still with us? Yeah, yeah. And she in fact tomorrow is her birthday. And how's um, how's your relationship with mom? I, you know, 
we we talk once in a while. She lives in Tennessee with my one of my brothers. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, that's it. That's all I know. Mm-hmm. But no, I, I wasn't. I wasn't really close with my mom. Uh, me and my dad were tight, but not my mom. Wow. I think I reminded her too much of her husband. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was he also? Uh, uh, well, you said he was one of the first crash sergeants. So yeah, what's a crash sergeant? I'm trying to figure. It's out like their gang is. team, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Did you ever see Colors? Yeah. Colors. The movie Colors. Sean Penn, Robert Duvall. I want to add it to my watch list. Yeah, yeah. How have you never seen this movie before? Jesus, I I just I only remember the 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 crash uh, the crash team because uh, the Rampart uh, scandal. Yeah, the yeah. whole Rampart scandal. That's funny because he was working Rampart as a sergeant when they started the crash unit. I was gonna say, but please, this is way back in the eighties. I was gonna say, please don't tell me he was no, one no, of the no. he was the one that 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 shot the LEPD guy. No, 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 no. That was. Uh, <laughs> There was a bunch of dirty guys. Yeah, and it was like a, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Rob but like Field crime Perez. reduction against yeah. street hoodlums or something yeah. like that. Like it was that's crazy, though, that your dad was a part of that. Yeah. That's, wow. Yeah, and that's when I did ride-alongs back then. I was like 10, 11 years old, and I thought, this is the best fucking job in the world. <laughs> I cannot wait to do this shit. I'm sorry, how old are you? 10 or 11. And you're going on ride-alongs with him? Yep. <laughs> it was rad. I could this not This is the wait. time when you didn't have to wear a seatbelt. I had to remember right. that. <laughs> no seatbelt. Brother, I, I think that just that, that that right there, that right there just <laughs> led into your you <laughs> at 10 years old, you said, "Fuck flight. I'm fighting." Yeah. <laughs> you said, "I'm going and swinging." But that again, that's that's a different era of LAPD. It's not like that anymore. Right, right, right. But wow. back when you're a kid and you're, you know, you decide what you want to do with yourself, that was very motivating for me. Well, at those ages, you're still a sponge. Oh yeah. My earliest memory though, I knew this is what I was going to do. Wow. Yeah. Incredible. Any regrets at all? Um not, I mean, not career-wise, but maybe not working, like, as hard as I did, you know, like, for a while, working canine and SWAT and detective at the same time. I could have been home a lot more than I, you know, was, because of either training, call-out, or training. Um, that, that, there was probably no point in doing that. But, again, you know, lesson learned. Mm-hmm. That's all we could do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Learn from the yeah. freaking mistakes we make. Yeah. Work's not everything, mm-hmm. but it can be fun. <laughs> For you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we I mean, I have fun, but my my, my, <laughs> my adrenaline comes from CrossFit now. Well, we talk about having a you know a balance, mm-hmm. you know, um, to to be well rounded. I think is there's a you know there's a balance and. You know, obviously, you found your balance, Rob. Uh, you know, you've said doing one sixty in your Camaro <laughs> keeps me <laughs> level. <laughs> you know, <laughs> doing one sixty in your Camaro it's like and my heroin. You know, <laughs> does uh, does Tammy know that you do one sixty in your Camaro? She actually has an app for some reason, and she hit me up. She's like, "I saw that you got on the freeway <laughs> and went from sixty yeah. to one hundred and twenty. I don't know how she did that. It has something to do with my car. With the car insurance. That's how they know. I, I you no, she has your location, so she probably knows how fast well, you go with the location. No, she, she said it, like, jumped, and she's like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, it's a car insurance yeah, app. She, she's they monitor how slow you drive in specific yeah. regions. What? And if you go over it, 
Because I like to they see how, it up. like, how fast I can get to a zero. Like, <laughs> you know, when you come to the stoplight on the freeway right. on ramp, mm-hmm. and then go zero to hundred, try to see how fast you can do that. Get a Tesla. But you, you can only do it at certain times of the day. Yeah. It's fucking traffic. We don't condone this for our <laughs> listeners. What is what is that little Midnight. disclaimer? Only for professionals. <laughs> yeah. What do they say? Like on the Jackass, on the Jackass yeah. movies. What do they say? Like the. Yeah, but you know, here's the thing. In, and I've had way many pursuits, way too many. Right. I'm very comfortable driving at high speed. Yeah. I mean, think, do you have, I don't even know how many pursuits I've had where they were over 100 miles an hour, you know, on the freeways, blowing stale red lights. You know, I remember one night going through, was it Fullerton? Down Imperial Highway, just me, lost everybody, in a brand new <laughs> Impala, chasing these guys that I just saw do a shooting over, on, over by um, Appian Way. Mm-hmm. I was on a traffic stop, and these guys, these Asian gangsters pull up and just start shooting into a house. I'm just like, holy fuck. So I start chasing them, going through Diamond Bar, onto the 57. We get off in Imperial, and we're doing like 100-plus miles an hour down Imperial Highway through red lights. And I'm just, I got nobody. And I lost the radio because we didn't have – once you go over Kellogg Hill, yeah. back then, there was no radio. Yeah. So I'm trying to use a cell phone while I'm driving. <laughs> Ended up going all the way to the casinos off the 5 freeway in Bell. Oh my god! Before they crashed, and we ended up catching them. Dang! <laughs> it was fun though. It was crazy. <laughs> I was passing all kinds of units. They're like, "What the fuck is he doing?" I picture Rob. I picture like, like Rob's heart is like his Camel redlining and shit. Like he's, his, <laughs> you're, you're he's always redlining. He's, he's Rob, zone five. Like your fucking <laughs> entire your, time. Yeah, that was the that fucking was, needles bouncing, dude. That's, that's when you, you're going so fast and you know there's no, you can't. You just like, oh, fuck, hoping to make it. How do you? I got a question. I, I shit, I'm gonna get mad, but I do 120. But as soon as it hits 120, it stops. Where do you do 120? That's a governor. I don't have a governor on my sh- my uh, yeah, that's Camaro that's or my uh, Harley. Yeah. See, now Where, you have, to, you have to put a chip in and have it tuned. Where trouble. do you go? You go 120 miles an hour. Nowhere, buddy. Brother, from Nowhere. here to Loma Linda, relax, bro. Nowhere. But I do the same thing he, he y- does. I just go. If you have, Wah. yeah, the car is. It, Homie, it, you drive an Acura. Drives fast. Uh, Acuras are fast. <laughs> I guess so. They're, they're, yeah, the Acuras are they're pretty <laughs> wow. quick. I'm never getting in a car with you. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know you could break 120. See, like, oh. yeah. Yeah. I, I'm. I've got to figure out how fast this Camaro will go. You know, <laughs> I got to figure. I've only, I, 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 I got the it feeling. on Father's no, Day. I love the feeling. You just driving the freeway. But it's slow just, motion. Oh fuck yeah! It's See, but, but here's the thing. So I, I drive motorcycles too. I have a motorcycle, and I just no. I Are never. We? No, 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 no. It, oh. It's a Yamaha. Oh. But but even then, like, I, I went over a hundred one time, and I told myself that's it. I'm not doing it again. Like, I tested it, and I'm like, bro, one little oil slick something, I'm done. I'm to- toast. Totally. So. So I could get a chip to go over the window. Yeah, you got to get it tuned. Stop, stop. You're enabling him. I stop. <laughs> but, so, the Harley I have is, it's a, a, a street glide. So, it's like a, kind of like a souped up SUV version. You know, yeah. I've got a fairing, and it just. It cruises at like 80 or 90. You don't yeah. even feel like you're going that mm-hmm. fast. So even when you hit 100, 110, 
it's like okay it feels like you know going pretty fast um but and, and that's then when you slow down like 60 it feels like you're not even moving yeah and that's a heavy bike yeah so you, you're breaking a lot of wind oh yeah <laughs> but i don't drive like that with my wife on the back just so you know <laughs> she gets mad it, uh, if she starts to squeeze her legs on me that means i'm going too fast <laughs> 160. <laughs> Still gonna get past just, that. Just so you guys know, the fastest I've probably been in a unit is like 134. Yeah, I, I pegged the, all and, of the units. And those, out uh, that, those are the the caprices, the, yep. the newer ones. Because uh, well, they're not newer anymore. But you know, I'm talking about the ones that they just made for law enforcement. They're yeah. like fast. Yeah, yeah, Caparo had one built for me uh, for my GTA <laughs> stuff, and it had the, the like 400 horsepower motor or whatever. Yeah, that was oh the fastest God. police car I've ever driven. So and I, yeah, they peg out at about one thirty. <clears throat> I was going one hundred thirty four, and I wasn't driving. Um, I probably shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> Whatever. I was, and this was when we had some 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 CHP guys on our team, and you know the CHP guys they drive fast all the time, so they were driving the car, and they hit like one thirty four. And the the spotlights, it was going so fast. You know, the little spotlights inside. The spotlights were like, yeah. it was like almost flew out one of the solid, car. one solid line. And and we were going so fast at just. And this was 134. Rob was going like like 30 miles faster at 160. Yeah. If you hit a pebble the wrong way, oh yeah, yeah, it's all over. You're baby. swerving. It's all over, bro. 160. <laughs> you are white knuckling. <laughs> yeah, I, I I try not to do it as much, but every once in a while, you just gotta you know, you just gotta. Let it breathe a little yeah. bit. I'd, yeah, you know, just makes just you feel alive again. A firm grip, let it rip. Shake yeah. everything off. <laughs> yeah, I did, the speed doesn't do it for me. I gotta be honest. Yeah, with no, no, I'm I'm past the whole speed part. Yeah, yeah. but you know what? I still see stolen cars everywhere. <laughs> I still see them, and it pisses me off too. Like fuck, there's a G ride right there. Look at this car right here. Damn it! Wow. Yeah, they're everywhere. <laughs> How do you know it's a G ride though? Trust me, you can smell it. Really? There's you, just you a talked whole about that before. You talked about that. It's like they know they don't. Wow. They don't like the word profiling, but you profile the vehicle, the mannerisms of the driver, the reaction of the driver to your presence. There's all kinds of things that go on. Again, that's something you would only know if you were like, you know what I mean? Like right, right, right. Where the the normal person would be like, oh, it's you know why you. You know why you? Tar- it's a Honda. Why are you targeting that that particular vehicle? <laughs> like, whatever. You know, you yeah. don't know because you haven't done it for a career. You know, a yeah. lifetime of doing it. Um, this all started because my car got stolen. <laughs> <laughs> See, we call that trauma. <laughs> <laughs> they yeah. started some. That. Some call it an opportunity. Some call it trauma. <laughs> <See>? <laughs> <laughs> they started it, man. <laughs> the first Damn. car I bought when I got off probation was a. Mustang 5.0 GT, right? Of My course. My dream car. Well, Love that thing, wait, right? Wait, wait, This was, this was uh, 1990. 1990. Oh, I love those cars. Yes. <laughs> had It was black. Oh, it was fucking sweet. Yes. And it got jacked, and it was on my days off when it got stolen. So my patrol bag was in the back, and when they found it three days later, it was stripped completely of all everything, and they had taken my patrol Pomona police jacket, and they laid it on the top. On the side of the freeway. That's how they found my car. They said, okay, it's on. Game on. <laughs> hey, and the rest of out. his career is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jason Bagg. I love that car. I love that car. I did too, man. That car was fast too. Oh, man. I don't know much about cars, but I remember that fucking car. Yeah, it's, it's a classic now. Fuck. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Cool. 
Man. Go for it, brother. All right. So as we get ready to wrap this up, um, shit, Robbie, I, I, you took us to a roller coaster, <laughs> man. God, right? God there were so many highs and lows. I'm just. <clears throat> this has been one of the most intense podcasts we've ever had. <laughs> I wanted to make it interesting. <laughs> Definitely yeah. did. Good. We, I like. I feel like we haven't even. We need to do a part two. <laughs> oh, for sure, for um, sure. So, uh, you know, let's do our usual. Let's go around and let's. What's the takeaway here? What? Any closing remarks? Questions, concerns, any last things for Rob? No, I mean, Rob, I. Like I said, I. You. You. Your self-awareness, um, it's like nobody I've ever met before. Like hearing your stories and you telling them and and even Jaime sharing how you are on radios and your attention to detail and oh my gosh, man. I, I could definitely tell that, that you're, you're, you're someone who spots things out immediately. You're someone who, who pays attention to details for everything um, and you're... I don't think you have any flight in you. You have nothing but fight. <laughs> um, and, and your self-awareness, man, your, your self-awareness of, of who you are and making sure that everyone around you is doing the best that they can um, because you're trying to do the best that you can. Um, you know, a lot of respect, a lot of respect for you. So, uh, thank you. you know, I got to say thank you for, for coming on and uh, thank you for, for, you know, your service, you know, to the community of Pomona um, and, and, and everywhere else you served. Um, so thank you again, brother, for yeah, that. Appreciate it. Back at you. Thank you. Man. There's one thing you taught me is life is full of highs and lows. <laughs> man. And to have the the man part, to dig yourself out of those low spots, shoot, you can only see the high from then on. Mm-hmm. And I really do appreciate you kind of rei- reiterating what a lot of us tend to go through but we don't think about like oh this is not th- this is there's something there has to be something better mm-hmm. there's always has to be something better which which i really do appreciate it's 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 a hard lesson to learn for a lot of people um but you took it with stride but uh, mm-hmm. there's, there's no <laughs> there's no way of describing you right now like it's it's crazy it's crazy it's crazy the amount of people that we get here <laughs> we do appreciate you <laughs> thanks My turn. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm at awe. My, my jaw is dropped. Yeah. Like, what, what else can I say? Yeah. Um. Yeah, Rob, your 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 career and even your life. It's you know it sounds like it's 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 been a roller coaster. Not, and I don't say that in a bad way. It's just it's it's been up and down. And this is, I don't know if you have or you haven't. But today you've you've shared the most personal details in your life with us, and I don't know if you've ever done that before, um, in a setting that that a lot of people are going to hear this. Good. Um, and my sentiments exactly. If if someone like you, that literally has been through hell and back, and has has lived in hell for a little bit, you know and you've confessed that you've been in a dark place and you've thought about um, even ending your own life and drinking and, and those type of things that you were at rock bottom. If someone like you 
that can be there in the very worst fucking place. And you could have the mindset of what's next. And that sustains you, right? And you had the intestinal fortitude and the courage and the strength to find out what was actually next. And when you found out what was next, it got to where you are today. A beautiful wife, right? Um, and you're in a good spot. That is a testament, and, and that's an example to everybody else out there because that, that, there's a lot of people, even people that listen to us that are experiencing shit. Maybe not that extreme, but a lot of people that go through shit. And if someone like you that has been through the extreme, the extremist, and has lived to tell about it, If you can get through it, then I'm telling everybody else that if they just take a chance to find out what's next. I'm telling you, that's dude, that's huge, man. That's for a while I was like, there's no way that this can keep getting bad. It can't get any worse, you know. And you just gotta, you just gotta pray and realize, all right. This, this can't sustain itself like this. It's got to get better, you mm-hmm. know? And I'm telling you, that damn curiosity about what's mm-hmm. what's what's next, I got I to gotta see what's going to happen. How's this going to play out? You know, I don't want it to end like this. This is shitty, you know? I want it to end better. Yeah. So, yeah, just, just hang in there, man. It's going to get better. <laughs> yeah, my hat's off to, to Rob, man. He's uh, I admire the guy. Um any uh, any last closing remarks, Rob? No, thanks for having me. This was fun. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, Rob, again, you know, thank you so much. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. Um, and and again, a lot of respect for you to weather all the storms, and uh, to still see the the sun shining afterwards. So uh, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Definitely would like to have you back on again. Yes. Cool. Um, <laughs> we'll set something up, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, thanks guys for listening. We appreciate you, Rob. One more time. Cheers to you. Cheers. Right. Appreciate you so much. Whiskey more stories. Out.